Brought to you by Being Well Collective. Comprehensive wellness and engagement solutions for real estate development and senior living. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living and the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm so pleased to be here today with Melinda Avila Torrio, Associate Principal and Senior Interior Designer at THW Design. Welcome to the program, Melinda. Thank you. Good morning, Nancy. I appreciate this opportunity. Well, thank you. Uh, before we dig into THW Design and all that you're doing, tell us about your background. Well, I am a older daughter of a retired nurse who had practiced in the long-term care community. Uh, my mother did suffer a stroke about 10 years ago and has been living with vascular dementia. Um, she has had a love for art and her caregiving ways showed me an opportunity to serve in the senior health care community. I've been with THW Design for the past 23 years of 33 years of serving. And I'm proud to announce that I was recently made a board of director for the American Academy of Healthcare Interior Designers. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, So tell us about um, what THW Design does, who you work with, and the projects you take on. Sure. THW Design has been practicing senior living for the past close to four decades. Um, They started in the realm of solar design. Uh, We have also practice in aviation industry as well as the hospitality industry. So all those experiences have really lent us a great wealth of knowledge and experience um, across the board that we've been able to contribute and show in senior living practice. That's great. Well, I'd love to dig into some of the trends that uh, we talked about in our last conversation. Uh, One of the first things you mentioned is food service integration and that uh, the way that uh, culinary arts are delivered in senior living has changed. So tell us a little bit about that. Thank you for that question. It's really exciting to see what the design has done as far as the dining and the food service delivery. And the great opportunity that this new um, excitement and generation of ideas has lent us is a reflection of many generations of culture of beliefs, tradition, and health practices. And being able to explore the world more easily through transportation and technology, we've seen a more um, increased willingness to experience various towns and countries throughout the world. So what we are hearing through the discussions at the table and exploring ideas is looking at ways to create and intertwine in the physical environment, maximizing presence of access to bistros, wellness cafes, libraries with local coffee specialties, uh, pubs that are offering nearby craft beer um, development, and also looking at food trucks, being able to park on the grounds of these assorted communities throughout the U.S. I love that. It's really changed quite a bit from the three squares a day principle, huh? Oh, yes, it has. And really another two exciting um, developments that we're beginning to see is uh, what you kind of look at as a visual display of a micro farm. Um, We look at that and opportunities of like the Babylon micro farm display case that 
one of our client groups is starting to kind of interspersed in not only in the community independent living components and common areas, but looking at that as opportunities for healthcare, like in the assisted living component. Uh, we're also looking at the greenhouse philosophy and how that's reemerging and bringing food to the table and looking at maximizing choice and breaking out that very strict schedule of preparing food and eating, really responding better to the rhythm of living for these residents throughout. That sounds great. Uh, So talk to us about some of the other general trends that you're seeing in senior living interior design. We're looking at spaces that reflect today's resident and prospect residents' interests and concerns regarding health, you know, mental, physical, spiritual, um, their love for the environment, sustainable issues, and social issues. And we're seeing that when we look at our THW design development of wellness components, we always want to tap into those as our guiding principles. And to continue that thought about what the general trends are too out there, we're seeing an increased interest from community leaderships to really take the time to assess their current community and the assets that are on the campus. And then also looking at some suggested priorities as far as expanding what those physical environments could be. And it's very much like what we just finished talking about with dining venues, you know, exploring the possibilities of wine and cheese venue rooms, uh, virtual pop-up kitchens. Um, But we're also looking at having great conversations with groups out there like Scopos or Camacho, who are very active in dining discussions and elevating and challenging client groups out there. Uh, We're looking at, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, go on. We're looking at uh, wellness, that real increased research demand and awareness for brain health and cardio wellness looking at interior spaces, how we intertwine those very two specific categories, but also looking at the charge to kind of inject socialization as a key ingredient um, so that we can help increase that benchmark for the community. So how what are some of the ways that you encourage socialization with your design? We're looking at truly embracing interior and exterior spaces. You know, if you were to have a discussion several years ago, we would always say or pay homage to, yes, we bring elements from the outside in, or we're trying to bring some of those spaces or components that you see on the interior environment and bringing it out. But in real intentional planning, you know, creating seamless integration of interior exterior spaces that are talking more towards products that support that concept, like the nano wall system. Um, We're looking at how the demand of exploring exterior spaces and sitting for a while and celebrating food outside and creating physical activity that is supportive of social ventures and event planning for the community and the residents abroad. And you mentioned um, flexible spaces as being a big trend, yeah? Oh, yeah. You know, when we look at the real estate and, you know, the site visits that we've done in the past year or so, there's a lot of the large multi-purpose theater performance rooms that are still needed, but in general, there are spaces of that type of square footage that is lost. 
So we're looking at how do you create a multi-purpose room that can respond to the flexibility of size for social gathering, event planning, or even educational seminars. You know, I think what we saw in the pandemic really needed socialization and community spaces to respond to that, whether those were going to be gatherings of less than six people or eventually after coming out of the pandemic, we could have larger group settings that could have people from outside the community to be involved. And that kind of merges into the discussion of inviting the community outside multiple generations or multiple age groups to participate in scheduled activities and spontaneous activities, really. Yeah, that that's a, a big thing that just to, allowing it to happen, uh, just creating that that space and place, right? Oh, yes. So um, talk to us a little bit about memory care environments. I know there have been quite a few changes um, in that sector. So talk to us about interior design as it relates to memory care. For a successful interior design product to be created, we really look at the responsibility of training our interior design staff members or our practitioners, and also the architectural team, the land planning team. And that means participating in some training opportunities like the virtual dementia tour by PK Belleville, or even listening to great industry leaders out there like Tippa Snow. But that successful intentional training allows us to also look at spaces where we need to integrate technology components. Uh, such as the Nuno Aaron interactive countertop that we had implemented in one of our client communities. Uh, you're looking at digital opportunities that are also part of uh, products such as Obi or Tever Taffel or INL2, just to name a few. We're also looking at those more interactive one-on-one activities that are revolving around SIDO or programs that embrace the Montessori program as well. The other trends we're looking at are also, quote unquote, the main street. It has taken the back seat for several communities because they feel like that that approach has probably been too much more like a, of an entertainment or a retail space and not really having the essence or feel of small town storefront where you walked along a main street, um, like where I live in Georgia, we have great um, town centers that replicate and reflect that need. So the main street that is evolving still allows those elements of skylights to infuse sunlight in there so that the main street that's interior core supported can truly reflect the elements of those spaces that these residents had moved from or the neighborhoods that they moved away from. Wow, that's cool. And I wanted to also mention um, THW had an opportunity to partner with the, the Greenhouse Project. And in looking at those interior spaces, what we're finding with the skilled nursing inventory out there, there's not so much of a, a demand for that kind of level of care. So we're helping groups to look at how to transform that existing medical model into something that's more residential in, in approach. So analyzing those spaces and see how those interior spaces can convert and have the greenhouse philosophy overlay it, but still be successful in the operation and the financial needs that the community has to respond to still. 
Um, other components are like horticultural therapy is still a very big component, but helping communities to find ways how to incorporate that into the interior spaces has been key. Uh, one of our client uh, contacts, Kirk Hines with AG Roads, has had a very successful um, experience and involvement, not only with his community, but with communities abroad. And also, you know, we're looking at artificial lighting. How does that respond to natural daylight so that the artificial lighting in spaces can provide the proper illumination and color of light that supports great circadian rhythm experience? Wow. I mean, there's really a lot going on that can make it just a lot easier for someone with a cognitive impairment to to thrive, correct? Yes, definitely. It's great to see that technology ever evolving and advancing. Yes, yeah, so technology and interior design is another trend, right? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, <laughs> it is. And it's pretty exciting. It's really great to see what companies have come up with. And then the willingness to share the research has been really key. And I think the pandemic had really provided that support system that product R&D needed to see and experience and get out there to the designers that are helping to make those critical decisions. So in our last conversation, you mentioned that there's a move away from a dialogue around intergenerational communities towards a conversation about intentional integration of multiple generations. Um, How are these two different? What are your thoughts on this? I think when we look at intergenerational as a term, many think of it as simple multi-generational. You're having different age groups kind of sit by side, side by side. But when we really think about the components of successful intergenerational, I'm hearing more discussions about intentional integration of those different age groups. Had an opportunity to sit in some recent great webinars that were hosted by AIA Design for Aging and the AARP Equity by Design groups. And what I walked away with attending those webinars was a real in-depth discussion that's needed to understand the component of blending these age groups. Um, And it needs to go further than just the simple goal of integrating multiple generations. It needs to be with built environments that support purpose. You know, we are providing areas that really embrace activities and spaces where a variety of generations whether it be three to four generations, are able to connect, they're able to grow, to learn, and be productive. So it's really setting some productive goals for multiple generations to come together uh, with mutual respect and reciprocity. That's very key for long-term application of intergenerational, and it's designed with what we are just saying right now with intentional integration. Yeah, it seems like there's uh, just this a general trend towards less segregation of older adults and and having them be more of the community at large, whether that's in an urban environment or um, in the community at large. Definitely. You know, one of the projects that THW completed was a community built on the Berry College campus in Rome, Georgia. And what a fantastic way to bring about groups that not only needed a special opportunity to embrace care and 
residents who need that care, but also provide a platform for education and mutual exchange of information and trust to happen. Um, that is one of the key themes that are that is, I think, also challenging the need for housing when you look at university partnerships. Uh, one of the great topics that emerged from the AARP webinar was providing housing for those college students who can't afford expensive or increased housing costs at a typical university, but then also finding a way to fill up the empty rooms or beds of residents of elderly community citizens who are seeking a way to either make up for that vacancy, uh, but still have the benefit of some kind of relationship building and cultivating exchange and education and trade of services. It sounds uh, so great because this whole idea of bringing the generations together centuries ago wasn't an issue, but we've gone, we've grown so apart that that idea of intentionality um, that through your design, you can bring people together in different ways is really cool. It is. And it's, it's a great way to celebrate. You know, we, we just spoke about the topic about food and, really widening that gate of entry to experience so many different cultures. Well, one of the things that's not really talked about that much, but is uh, critically important as, as you and I both know is the interior in the interior environment as it affects the staff and how can you make tweaks to improve that environment? So talk to us a little bit about that. Many of the existing staff spaces or, I try not to use so much the word staff, but really care team members. Um, their spaces are left in basement levels still. They're left in the core areas of floor plans that don't have access to natural daylight. They're very, very tight rooms. So you don't feel like you have space to recover or to just decompress if you especially work for a memory care environment. Those spaces used to be an item that was at the bottom of a list for functional and programming exercise. And what we've made intentional decisions on is to make sure that these support spaces for the care team members are a priority decision to be made and discussed to thoroughly and carefully consider their locations and adjacencies to the residents. The healthcare team members have gone through so much in the recent pandemic that there has been so much, you know, quiet discussions and open discussions about suicide rates or healthcare members changing profession professions altogether, getting out of the healthcare industry and seeking something that's less demanding of their their mental um, health, et cetera, and also the well-being of their families when they get to go home. So when we look at opportunities to create space, I think it also goes beyond just these recovery rooms or decompression rooms or small quiet rooms. It needs to look at, we need to look at services that we can extend to our care team members because essentially you become close family friends of the elder residents. So we're looking at programs that open up the fitness areas for access to these care team members, looking at options for them to be able to order food for their families that they can take home. 
so they, they don't need to worry about that when they're trying to rush out the door and tend to family uh, responsibilities. On-site laundry services, uh, spaces that support education and training certification for them. And it could be simple as on-site childcare or even adult care for their family members or extended family. And even as simple as providing car maintenance, on-site car maintenance, because um, usually they have to rush or take a day off to get these things done. So looking at outside just the interior environment, but also looking at services to support them is key. It's so, uh, you're really driving home a point in this talk that it's so key to think about what you're going to do in the space before you plan the space, right? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and it's really fantastic being able to be in this industry and be surrounded by people willing to share experiences and what they've learned um, through different projects and client groups. It's amazing. Well, Melinda, what gets you most excited these days? I love waking up and knowing that it's a fresh, brand new day to be able to share, uh, to be able to talk to you like what we're doing here right now, exchanging ideas. Um, and just being able to be part of creating a legacy of opportunity, encouraging the next generation of designers to look at healthcare design as an opportunity to serve. I'm really excited what I see as far as the great energy and highlighting women leadership and senior living in healthcare. We see that through organizations like Women in Healthcare, uh, purpose of, purposeful events that are sponsored through groups that you probably would not anticipate, such as H.J. Sims or Ziegler, Argentum, et cetera. It's great to see these organizations really take an intentional step towards uh, embracing women and increasing their exposure and opportunity to exchange information with one another. I love the transparency of the sharing of knowledge through the recent webinars, like I mentioned, through AIA Design for Aging, the AARP group, uh, SAGE, the Greenhouse Project, just to name a few. Um, I'm excited meeting new industry colleagues from all sectors of senior living and healthcare and even beyond that. Um, I recognize that so many components overlap. It's not just senior living in a, you know, in a vacuum. Um, but I just enjoy and I appreciate the positive solutions that I'm seeing and that are, that is being shared through the international world of elderly care. So true. And you are such an important leader in our industry and um, an inspiration for women leaders upcoming. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Melinda. Thank you, Nancy. This has been a real joy sharing these few minutes with you. I truly appreciate it. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast. 